As we begin our time today, we're going to be thinking about community, and we'll be looking at different aspects of community within the church, but it reminded me as I was studying this week and just looking around at, at the world around us how, how much we as, as humans desire community. Uh, you can look at some of the, the uh, disasters, some of the trouble that has happened in, in, uh, in various parts of the country. I was keeping an eye on uh, what was happening in Texas. You may know that I, I grew up there and remember as a, as a child having our home flooded and having water above the electrical outlets and, and just the, the devastation that took place uh, even more, more recently. Uh, we obviously have a lot of connections to the state of Florida and saw a lot of people dealing with, uh, with struggles there. And, and you see a picture of community coming together, people looking out for one another, trusting in one another. And then uh, here over the weekend, just seeing what's happened in our own city, obviously a, a different type of turmoil, but a, but a struggle with a, with a city that is just uh, on edge and conflict and, and uh, just a lot of, uh, a lot of issues that, uh, that we see. And it just reminds us again that, that uh, even within the St. Louis community, how much we, we look to each other, how much we need one another to even, even move through a time like what we are currently facing. And I hope that, that you have been praying for, for peace in our city. You've been looking for opportunities to, to be a peacemaker, to, to encourage, uh, to encourage our, our fellow uh, St. Louis citizens to, to be looking to peace. As we think about community as it, as it comes into a, to a, a more personal level, it, it, it reminds us of what we have within the church family, that God has placed us within a body where we can uh, encourage each other, where we can lean on each other. Maybe we're not going through a, a natural disaster, but maybe in our personal lives we're going through something where, where we need another person to help us along, to encourage us. And yet oftentimes people in this day and age feel like they don't have that person to lean on. In fact, I was reading an article and it was quoting a, uh, a statistic that was printed in Time magazine. It says, according to data from the General Social Survey, the number of Americans who say they have no close friends has roughly tripled in recent decades. And you think about that and you think, well, aren't we more connected now than ever? All these different ways that we can connect to social media, how can it be that the people with no close friends, that that number's tripling. In fact, the survey had a, a question in which it asked, how many people do you have in your life that you consider a confidant? You know, meaning that you, would, you could share anything with them. You could trust them. You could, you could, you could uh, uh, give them the, the details of your life. And you know what the number one answer was out of all the different options to select? Zero. Zero was the most common answer. You think, how could that be? How could we, we be designed for, for, for the need for community? We're relational beings. We saw this in the summer when we looked at the Proverbs that spoke about friendship. We need each other. We need other people. And yet we, we struggle. We struggle as communities. We struggle uh, even within the church at times in being able to have that kind of community that we so desperately need. This morning, I want to encourage us as a church family to think to think deeply about the need for Christian community, for, for groups that, that we can be a part of that will encourage us in daily life, to encourage us in our spiritual lives. In fact, Jim Putman said it this way, a pastor from Idaho. He said, when we abide in Christ, it doesn't simply mean we fellowship with Jesus only. It means that we fellowship both with Jesus and with other believers. And we find, look what he says what we get when we're with other believers, we find intimacy, sustenance, strength, 
the, the ability to weather storms and the strength to do the tasks God gives us. So as we come together as a church, I want us to think about what we can receive from each other, what we can do to contribute to, to each other's lives and spiritual journeys, but to also look at it at a, at a level of the small group, to see how when we choose to intentionally gather together in small groups, what, can, what we can gain from that. As a church family, what do, we, what do we gain? Because we've said together that we are united in vision. We're united in purpose. That there are things that we know God has called us to be about. And, and uh, over the uh, last week and next week and including today, we're looking at three particular areas that we believe will make us a stronger and more vibrant church. Those three areas are worship, discipleship, and ministry. And we said last week that we gather and worship in a service like this, there's reasons that we gather to worship. God has called us to this. There's things that, that take place that only happen when, as a church family, we gather to worship. This morning, we're going to be looking at what takes place with, the, with our spiritual growth when we gather in small groups. When we get together in, in groups that are smaller than this one, and we, we look to the Word together, we get to know each other, we encourage each other, that there's something unique that happens in those times. And the next week we're going to be looking at ministry, how God has created and called us to serve, how he's equipped you, how he's given you a gift so that you can you can build others up through ministry and through service. In fact, as you heard in the uh, in the announcement, we're going to have tables set up in the foyer and all kinds of ministries are going to be are going to be on display for you to to not only not only learn about but also have an invitation to participate in. And there's a lot of things happening around our church family, and some of them uh, uh, may be of, of interest to you. In fact, uh, just yesterday, a new ministry of upward sports, soccer, uh, took place. And so yesterday morning, a lot of kids were here on the soccer fields. They are playing soccer. Uh, family was, were, were getting to know each other. There was uh, a devotional message at, at each halftime. And so it was just a way of, of being able to, to minister to our community as well as one another. And so next week, you'll get an opportunity to see where are some places that you could serve. You see the three active verbs that are there, worship, grow, and serve. And there are different conduits for each of these. And I would say that, that these areas, they are of primary importance. This is, this is what really gives us the strength and the health of a church family. And the, the, the closer we get to the number of people in worship, to the number of people in small groups, to the number of people in service. When those numbers get closer and closer together, the stronger we become. And in fact, the more we're able to do to make an impact in our church family, but also in the community at large. We know that our commission comes from Matthew chapter 28. Jesus gave us what is known as the Great Commission. And uh, these are words that he gave after his earthly ministry, after he went to the cross, after he rose from the dead, he told those whom he was leaving behind, he gave them this commission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see that he speaks to his disciples and he encourages them to do what? Make disciples that this is, this is the mission that we've been given, the mission of Christ. And I want us to see this morning that even though we are disciples, we're called to make disciples, and one of the most effective ways that we can do that is through small group ministry. 
Let's begin by asking the question, what is a disciple? I know there's all kinds of answers that we could, we could give, a lot of synonyms. A, a disciple is a, a follower or a student. A disciple is one who learns. Uh, but as we think about discipleship and we think about what it means to be a disciple, I'd like for us to go to Matthew chapter 4 and see what was it that Christ did? What did he say when he first called disciples that, uh, that, he, would, uh, that he would lead? Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 19. And it's a very simple verse, but I think it gives us different aspects of what it means to be a disciple and hopefully will challenge us in our walk with him. Here's what he says. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Very simple verse. But think about him approaching this rugged group of, of guys, most of them fishermen, and he's, he's calling them to follow him to trust Him, to learn from Him, to be on mission with Him ultimately. In fact, if you look at this verse, you'll see all of that that's, uh, that's there. We begin by saying that disciples are people who know Christ and who follow Him. And so I want to stop right there and say that it's not enough just to believe that God exists. It's not enough just to look at creation and say, well, there must be a God out there somewhere, I believe. What we have is an invitation to know Him personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. It begins when you say, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to follow Him. I am going to personally know Him. So listen to me. That's the difference between religion and relationship. And so I encourage you this morning, if, if you're here and you're, you're considering what it means to know God, begin by being becoming a disciple. Trust in His Son, Jesus. Follow Him. Learn from Him. That's what it means when He says, follow me. Secondly, we see that there is something that He does. It says that in the middle of that verse, I will make you. And so we, we see that Christ finds us where we are, but then He has a plan for us. He wants to shape us or change us or develop us in Him. And so uh, if you can look back and remember when you came to faith in Christ, you will likely notice that there's been spiritual growth happening in your life. You're understanding more about Him. You're learning more about His mission. You're, you're understanding more about the, the Word of God. And as you grow, what's happening? You're growing more and more into His likeness. In fact, I thought Luke chapter 6, verse 40 was helpful. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So what's Jesus wanting to do? He's wanting to make us more like him. He wants our character to be more like his character. And oftentimes we think about, about what his spirit is doing within us by, by referencing what's known as the fruit of the spirit, right? That, that our attitudes, our character is, is filled with things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, that as we're growing in Christ, we're growing in our character, we're growing in these attributes. And so, so each and every step of the way, we're growing more into Christ-likeness. But there's another aspect of being a disciple. It's not just knowing and following. It's not just being changed into Him. Look at the third part. It says that He is making us fishers of men. And so, we are called to His mission. And, and I think this is interesting because at the very end of His earthly ministry, we have the Great Commission, right? 
He's saying, go and make disciples. And at the very beginning of his ministry with his disciples, what is he telling them he's gonna, that he's going to do? That he's going to develop them into being fishers of men themselves. Yeah, they'd been fishers of fish, but now they were called to be fishers of men. They were going to be on mission, having an, ob- an objective to reach others with his gospel. And so we oftentimes reference this as being disciples who make disciples. That that's part of our collective calling together. So put all that together, and what we see, what is a disciple? One who is following Christ, one who's who's being changed by Him, and one who is committed to being on mission. Now, all of this references what we would call discipleship growing as a disciple. Or you might just want to think about it as spiritual growth. How does that best happen? How do we grow in our walk? I mean, how many of us want to, to, uh, to, to be followers of Christ and yet be stagnant and just not, not learn, not grow, not develop? I mean, I think all of us have a desire to, to see that relationship with Christ grow to gain in knowledge and understanding, to see our faith grow, to see opportunities for for serving and really allowing our lives to make a difference for His kingdom. And all of that happens through our spiritual growth. Let me put up on the screen here a graphic. And I know as soon as you see it, you're going to say, Ryan, I can't read that, (laughs) right? See all those little words there. I'll talk about what's said, but I want you to see the picture of what's happening. Because spiritual growth is a process, and it begins with someone, the word there is dead. It means they don't have a life in Christ. Everyone starts there. There may be some here with us today that don't yet have life in Christ. They may have an invitation that they're hearing, and they may choose to follow him, and at that point, what would happen? They would become a disciple. They would become a follower. And so, so as you think about that, you might sense, where am I at on this? Am I, am I just now hearing, thinking about becoming a follower? Am I newer in my faith? See the next one there? It's uh, the person that's holding the rope is, is the infant. And so we're not talking about chronological age. We're talking about spiritual age. And the Bible even talks about people who are young in their faith as being babes in Christ. And, and, and what do you think of when you think of a baby? One who, who has a lot of needs? one who is needing a lot of attention, a lot of care. But what happens to that baby? What do the parents pray happens to that baby? That they grow, right? And they begin to be able to to care for themselves. They learn skills. They gain information. So you can see the third section there, being a child, one who's gaining, understanding, growing. Still a lot of need, right? There needs to be safety. There needs to be protection, a lot of teaching and so forth. But then they continue to grow into what's considered a young adult, They're now beginning to to look at the world where they they see the needs of others. And they begin to ask, how can I live my life in a way to help someone else? It's not just about me. Because the younger you are in your faith, the the more self-centered it is. But the more you grow, you are centered on others and ultimately upon the Lord. And then you see the final step there is a parent. And the parent is holding the rope and looking the other direction, right? Looking down, helping those who are coming along. It's the idea of of reproduction, multiplication, a disciple who's now investing in the lives of someone who's not where they are spiritually in order to help them, to help them grow. And so so think about that. Maybe you can kind of see 
where your stage of spiritual growth is. Because as a church family, for us to be healthy and vibrant, can you see what we need to have happening? We need to have people growing. We also need to have new people coming in, being introduced to the, to the faith in, in Christ and having others help them. Let's put it in a different context here. Let's use a different, different uh, chart. This is, a, this is what's known as the disciples' wheel. You'll see the same five stages. They're there around the perimeter of the circle. And you can see that the people begin needing life in Christ. And that's the point in which they are born again. So where you see born again is where someone becomes a disciple. And I hope that you can look back in your life and you can remember a time where you said, I believe in Christ. I'm going to ask Him to forgive me of my sins, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I'm, I'm giving Him control of my life. He's in charge now. That's when the conversion happens. That's when life transformation happens and spiritual growth begins. Now you can see those same same categories, the infant, the child, the young adult, the parent. And you can see that in each case, there's, there's things that describe where they're at and, and, and what they're understanding and how they're growing around that perimeter. And we see all the way to the end where someone who is a parent is someone who's assisting others. And again, they may be a young person. This isn't chronological age. This is spiritual growth and development. But what happens at times is that people can begin their walk with God, their journey, and they can get moving along that, and then what can happen? They can get stuck, and they can feel as if they're just maintaining. They're not really growing in that walk. And so, so this is there to, to help us see that we're to continue in our spiritual growth and our understanding of Him. Now, we're going to take this circle, and it's going to get complicated on the next slide. So let me just tell you what's about to happen. This circle is about to go right into the middle of a larger circle. And rather than just seeing the five stages of spiritual growth, we're going to ask ourselves, what is our role? If we are growing in Christ and we are, and we are trying to help others grow, where do we come alongside and assist? And now you can see the words on the perimeter are a little different. It says share, connect, train to minister, and release to be a disciple maker. And so you would ask yourself, if you are one who, is, who has walked with the Lord for a long time and you are, by, by God's grace, have someone in your life that's a newer believer, you say, what do I do? How do I help them? Well, you look and see. You begin to share your life with them. You begin to share truth with them. You begin to, to, to help share new habits. This is what it's like to follow Christ. These are the things that we put off. These are the things that we put on. And then as they grow and they, they grow in their understanding and their walk, then what happens? You connect them. You're helping connect them to, to a church family, connecting them in their walk with the Lord, connecting them to the purpose that God has for them as a follower. They begin growing and understanding to the point where then they begin to, to minister to others. They begin to see that others have needs. Others need encouragement. And that they have been placed here and God has given them an opportunity to invest in someone else's life. And so they, they're equipped in that. They're provided ministry opportunity. And this is a stage that's important because how many of us have ever been asked to serve in the church but weren't given any training in it? Has that ever happened to anybody? About 10 of us, I have a feeling maybe there might even be a few more. Sometimes we're just, we're just recruited in and put into something, right? Well, this is helping us see that, that people need to have tools. They need to be given an opportunity to be able to, uh, uh, to learn what it means to serve. And then from there, 
what happens? They begin to take someone else through this process, that they are a discipler. They are investing in someone else. Maybe they are leading a ministry, leading a small group. They have been invested in, and now they are investing in someone else. And I would encourage you, think about where you are, not only in your own spiritual growth, but in where you are in being able to help someone else. I think as parents and grandparents, we can certainly see our role with our kids and grandkids, right, in helping them grow spiritually, not just academically, not just growing in, in, in sports and music and other aspects of life, but also growing in their spiritual life. But even as we have others that God has put into our sphere of influence, that we can come alongside and assist them, just as He had others that assisted us. Has anyone come to mind today that you've thought of in your spiritual pilgrimage that God had right there with you when you were a new believer? Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend. Someone who invested in you and helped you in, in growing. And to see now that, that God also has placed you around others where you can help them to grow in their faith. So this is what we see with spiritual growth. Now, how does all of this how does all this connect to small groups? What we see on that screen is very hard to do in this context. It's hard to do. We had, had a few hundred people in the first service, a few hundred people in the second service. How can we do these kinds of things where we connect at a level to really know where people are at spiritually, to know what their needs are, to know what, what's taking place in their life? There has to be a way where we can get to know each other better on a, on a, on a level uh, that, that, that brings about trust and accountability and, uh, and allows us also uh, to be able to nurture one another towards spiritual growth. So the second question I want us to think about this morning is not just what is a disciple, but where does discipleship happen? And maybe you can think from your own experience, what were those seasons in life in which you grew the most? Who is it that God placed around you to encourage you to build you up, more than likely it happened in a small group context. Now, I know we use a lot of words. In fact, it can get kind of confusing sometimes. Maybe you grew up and, and you were a part of a Sunday school class, right? Or maybe you've been a part of a, of a class that is referenced as an adult Bible fellowship, ABF. Anybody ever been in one of those? Well, it's, and it has the a acronym, ABF, and it's good, right? It's for adults. It's, it's got the Bible in it. It, it encourages fellowship. But but sometimes we can get confused with all of the different labels and terms. It's basically being in a smaller group. And by being in that group, we can really connect. And we can get to know one another. And people can find a place to belong. And I tell you, that is so important in a church family for, for people to feel like they're connected in. We can't really do that in this setting, but in a smaller group setting, it can happen. Whether it's on a Sunday morning at 945 or whether it's on a, on, a, on a Sunday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, these are all opportunities where people can get to know one another better and assist each other in spiritual life. There's a lot of passages in the New Testament that use the phrase one another. It talks about serving one another, bearing one another's burdens. 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another. And I would ask you, how could we know how to apply these verses in someone's life other than knowing when they need to have comfort and knowing when they, they need to be encouraged 
knowing when they need that kind of support, it again happens when we gather together in, in a relational environment with small groups. It's not something that is a newer practice. In fact, we can look through the New Testament and see that this has been common since the birth of the church. If you go all the way back to Acts chapter 2, there's a, uh, a series of verses there, right around verse uh, uh, 46, that speaks of what was happening in the life of the early church. It says that they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Did you catch that? So yeah, they were gathering as a large group, but then they were going into one another's homes. They were breaking bread. They were eating together. They were praising God. If you go over to chapter 12, it says that there was a group that was praying. And where were they praying? It says that they were praying in the house of Mary, the mother of John. Acts chapter 20, again, thinking about the early church. It says they gathered on the first day of the week, verse 7. They came to break bread. Paul spoke to the people because he was intending to leave. It says he kept on talking until midnight. Can you imagine that? And sometimes we struggle just when the guy keeps talking till noon, right? Well, he's talking till midnight. But it, notice where it says he was talking. It says that he and the group were gathered in an upper room, an upstairs room where they were meeting. Go over to Romans chapter 16. We hear about this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And there is a church that's meeting, according to verse 5, in their house. And in 1 Corinthians 16, it's referenced again, talking about this church that meets in their house. So throughout history, we have seen the example of God's people gathering together in smaller groups. And I know that brings about a lot of questions. And you're saying, well, is the emphasis simply on the fact that they're meeting in a home? And I would say, no, that's not the only emphasis. There is an emphasis there, and it's important for us to see that it's quite appropriate for people to gather in a home. But the point is that they're gathering in a smaller group. And so whether we do that in church on Sunday morning at 945 or at another time off campus in the week, it's the same goal, and that is to be together, a relational environment where spiritual growth can happen, where people can share their lives together so that they know what the struggles are. They know when comfort is needed. They know when encouragement is needed. In fact, we could give a lot of examples about what's happening, but I thought I would share just a few. And in fact, uh, I want to share uh, an example of a couple of small groups that meet during the week off campus. And then I want to share an example of a group that meets on Sunday mornings at 945. They're all small groups. They all have the same purpose. And it looks a little different depending on where they meet and the structure of the group. There's a lot of latitude there. But the goal is the same. And that's people sharing their lives together, investing in each other. And something really, really significant has happened in the last year. We've had a number of groups that have begun that are meeting uh, throughout the week that meet off campus. Our, my family has been involved in, in one of them. And I know that, that, that many that are here today have been involved in some as well. You may choose Sunday morning. You may choose another time. But let me, let me uh, share with you a, a quick video. It'll take three minutes. It'll share with you about two of the groups. One of them uh, meets at uh, Trey and Tammy Griggs' home. It's been meeting on Thursday nights. It, it started meeting about a year ago. And after the fall, the group decided that there were some within the group that would start another group. So you can think of it kind of as a, as a second generation, a multiplied group. And it is emphasizing uh, uh, outreach to young adults. And so uh, on Tuesday nights, there is about 20 to 25 
people, primarily in their 20s, that are gathering for small group. And so I thought this would be something for our church to see and to celebrate, but it's also a picture, I think, of what, is, what we're saying we want to see happen here within our own church family. So give your attention to the screen. Last fall, my wife and I joined a small group. We joined Trey Griggs' marriage study that he was doing, and it was a great opportunity for us to get plugged into his study uh, with a lot of different people that we'd never been uh, interacting with much in church. And so it provided us an opportunity to learn from people who were uh, further on in their life experience and to work through that marriage study. And as we got to the conclusion of it, we decided that we wanted to do something for other people in our life stage. And so we decided that we were going to target young adults and start a new small group. And so we did that in January with the help of another couple who had been in Trey's small group. And we targeted the young adults and uh, just found that there was a great desire for some of them to be involved in a small group. And so we've been meeting uh, since January uh, with our young adults and we've added a new co-teacher in Stephen DeFries and we're working through different things together as a community. And it's been great to see how uh, former members of West County, former members of Ellisville, as well as uh, people who have just come to our church since we've merged into Fellowship of Wildwood and to see how all of us can come together and have a new opportunity to work through building new relationships and investing in new people's lives, to be seeing what God is able to do as the community comes together and works through uh, His Word and works through prayer and works through just different life issues and how relationships have formed and how friendships have grown based upon our ability to meet together in a small group and to invest in each other's lives. And, and we really are truly so blessed by what's able to happen there. And we're glad uh, to see how the church has rallied around that. And so many different people have invested in our small group too. And we're so appreciative of that as well. You know, spending time with my daughter is really special because it allows me to get to know her and for her to get to know me. And life would be very different if we didn't have that time together. And the same can be said for those in my small group who have uh, become some of my best friends. Um, looking forward to having them in our home and spending time with them each week and hearing about their life and telling them about my life and the struggles and um, just learning about how messed up we all are and being real with one another um, is, is what's really special about small group because it's really about connecting with other people and really becoming deep friends and doing life together um, so that we can be there for one another when, when things go bad um, and we can celebrate when things go well. And uh, being in a small group has dramatically changed my life for those very reasons. I, um, I don't feel like I'm doing life alone or that Tammy and I are, are doing life alone. Um, and when we need help, we have people who are ready to drop everything and help us out and, and, and we would do the same for them. Um, and so it's, uh, it's really changed our life to be a part of a small group. And it's something that we all need. This is how God has wired us to connect with one another, um, and to become friends, and just to do life together. Is that encouraging to hear? See people gather together? Now, I, I run the risk here because there are over 20 classes, groups that meet on Sunday morning. You're thinking, well, which one should I highlight? I'm looking around seeing a lot of, of, uh, of leaders and teachers out there that are they're leading groups. Let me tell you about one that meets at 945 in the chapel. Because a week ago Saturday, I saw just a real reflection of them coming together. This is a group, senior adult group that meets. And they have lost a number of people out of their class that have passed away in the last, last year to two years, including the, the man who had been their teacher for many years. 
And I get an email from them each week as they have a, a distribution list. And I get emails from other classes and groups that meet as well. But, but uh, I, I always see how they're, they're, they're praying for each other, how they're seeking to encourage one another. And uh, a week ago Saturday, they gathered here for a memorial service for one of their members. And I just, just watched how they cared for each other, and how they, they cared for, for Miss Elva Hausman, who'd lost her, her husband, Herbie. Many of you may have known Herbie. And uh, it's just an example of the fact that, that these groups, yes, there is information communicated, there is teaching, it's an important part, but you know, there's other things that are happening there where life is being shared. People are assisting one another. They're encouraging each other in ways that it just can't happen when, we are at, uh, when, when we're in uh, larger gatherings. And so as I think about the future of our church, our health, our vitality, our ability to reach out, I just can't get past the fact that it's smaller group settings that will help us fulfill the vision, help us see people growing in their walk with Christ, helping other people be brought in, feeling like they have a place to belong, where they can know others, where they can be, be uh, encouraged, but where they can also have that outlet to come alongside and serve and to encourage others that they get to know as well. And so I know today we're, we're highlighting small groups, and I would encourage you, if you're not part of one, to be thinking about that. Think about maybe one that meets on a Sunday morning, maybe one that meets during the week, and uh, we would love to help, help you connect. Maybe you'd like to start one, and you, you, you would like to open up your home, or you'd like to start one that meets here at the, uh, at the church campus. Let us know, because as these groups start, it, there's, a, there's an effect that, that becomes more of a multiplying effect. In fact, that, the, the group that meets at Lee and Amy White's house has, has been a place where new people to the church have been able to come in where they've been able to connect, make friendships, and they feel like they have a part. And so I want us to continue to see new groups expanding, even some of our Sunday morning groups. They may have gotten to a point where, where they need to, to, to birth a new group, where others can, can, uh, uh, can have leadership responsibility. And so that's, that's just a healthy thing to see happening within the life of a church. Now, a group is different from a course. Sometimes on Wednesday nights, we teach a Financial Peace University course, or we teach a, a marriage course. I'm teaching a, through a book called No Excuses for Men on Wednesday nights. That's, that's, that's a helpful and important aspect of church life, but it's different from the small group. The small group is where life is being shared, where there's transparency, there's accountability, there's encouragement as people meet together week after week, and at times years after, year after year. And so if you're here this morning and this is something that, that is appealing to you, you feel like is a need, I would encourage you to find a way to jump in. You're being invited this morning to consider a small group and to see how you can not only be blessed, but how you can be a blessing to others. Let me close with a quick story and then we'll pray. I can remember reading an account several years ago about, uh, about a man who was trying to defend one of the, one of the uh, uh, belts in boxing. He was a 31-year-old champion. He was from Scotland, and he was defending his belt in front of a home crowd in Glasgow. It was going to be a, an internationally televised event, even something that was watched here in America. His challenger was younger. His challenger had never been defeated. And so there they are in the ring on, on international TV going round after round. And he has met a guy that is giving him all he can take. And, and he's struggling. He's struggling to keep up in the fight. And then all of a sudden, if you're watching this match on TV, you start hearing something that you typically don't hear in a boxing match. Singing. All these male voices singing in the stadium. 
You think, what's going on? Well, they see their man, their Scottish brother, in the middle of the ring, trying to to stay tough, trying to stay strong, and they're beginning to sing a Scottish anthem to encourage him, to tell him, don't give up. Don't give up. You can do this. We are with you. And they're singing louder and louder and giving him the strength to press on. And when I read that account and I heard what that, what that must have been like to have singing at a boxing match, I thought, you know what? Even today we have people, people that are barely hanging on, people that are sitting right here in the chairs among us that are barely hanging on. We may not even know what they've been going through this week or what they're waiting for in the coming week. And they're not sure what it's going to look like. But do you know what they need? They need community. And they need one another, as the Bible speaks of the one another. And I believe, church family, that this is best accomplished when we gather together, getting to know one another, helping one another, not only with spiritual growth, but just with this life, the daily life that is such a challenge at times, and to know that God has placed us within a community where we can both receive a blessing and be a blessing to those that He has placed within our sphere. So why don't we take time now to pray and ask the Lord to, to bless this part of our church ministry, to grow it to a point where people will be encouraged and strengthened and that He would be glorified. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you have placed us together. You've put us in a church family, given us an opportunity to come and to worship. You've given us opportunities to serve. But Lord, today we think about the ways in which you have connected us together in relationships. And Lord, we know that at times those relationships can be difficult. They can be tough. But Father, we pray that you would help us to value them enough to invest ourselves in each other, to invest ourselves in the people that come to the fellowship of Wildwood, that they can find a place to belong, that they can find encouragement and strength, that they can find that group that will help them walk this path of life. God, may you bless deeply all of the groups that meet, whether they're on campus on a Sunday morning, whether they meet in homes throughout the area. God, may your spirit invigorate each one. May you continue to use it to encourage people as they they press on after you. And Father, may, may the spiritual growth lead to numerical growth. May we see more and more disciples being made as we are attentive to the commission that you've given us. Father, we ask for you to make it happen. And we ask that you would give us the initiative and the desire to be about what you are calling us to do. We pray your blessing as we continue to worship this morning. Even as we give back tithes and offerings, may you take them and use them for your purpose. We pray this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, 